When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, Secret Squad. We're halfway through the week, which means we all get a new episode of I've Got a Secret. I was so thrilled to see how much everyone loved my last two-part interview with Jeff Deskovic. Make sure to keep commenting on my social media post with the types of episodes you want to hear, which brings me to this week's episode. There are two things I get a lot of messages about. One, the need to support and uplift other women. And two, tips on making friends as an adult. This episode is going to touch on both of these topics. This is The Secret to Girl Power. To help me today, I'm with the hilarious and brilliant June Diane Raphael, who you know from shows like Grace and Frankie and New Girl. What you may not know about June is that she is also the co-founder of The Jane Club, a digital community platform that offers education, inspiration, and socialization for all women. Thank you for coming on the podcast, June. My gosh, what a lovely introduction. Thank you so much for having me, Robin. (laughs) You're so welcome. And you know, I really hate that it has to be virtual, but we've all come to accept that. And I'm just hoping that right here at the top, we can both agree that once we can come together in person, you'll agree to do that. I would love nothing more. (laughs) All I want is to be with people. (laughs) I used to be an introvert. This pandemic has turned me into an extrovert. Oh, well, there are, you know what? We (laughs) talked a little bit before we got started. So I think we both can agree that there have been some pretty good things that have come out of this pandemic. And that right there is one of them for you. Absolutely. I think that I, I I thought that I was, I always thought I needed some downtime. Like I love to see friends and, but I love small dinners. Yes. I don't love giant parties. Yes. You know, I like smaller kind of more intimate gatherings. Agreed. Um, but after this is all said and done, like I want to go to a dance party. I want a DJ. I want weddings. <laughs> you, know? you almost want to like get on the, a table and dance Absolutely. in front of everyone and, and just be free. <laughs> yes, I want it all. Um, so I'm definitely ready to to be with the people, and I, I I've had so much time with my family. (laughs) Love them as I do. But I'd love to meet you in person, Robin. Thank you so much. But we can all relate to this family time. And that's part of our conversation today as women and as mothers and as wives. And that's why I listed as women first. So let's dive right into the Jane Club. Can you explain to the listeners what it is, and why you started it. And I know I just asked that question, but I'm going to go on just a little bit because I really, truly want our listeners today to start right off at the top of this podcast hearing about the Jane Club. I'm so in love with everything about it. So I'm going to shut up and let you just go ahead and start explaining it to them. Well, I, I do love to talk about it because it's, I have to say, And we encourage women at the Jane Club to constantly brag about themselves. On our platform, we have a whole channel called Jane Brag, where we ask Janes every day to to brag. I love it. About something they're really proud of. And so I love bragging about the Jane Club because I am really, really proud of it. I started it, Robin, um, almost three years ago. And it has had such an interesting evolution and especially since March. But the reason why it started way back in 2017 was because I was actually in the midst of writing a book. I wrote a book. um, I co-authored it with Kate Black, who at the time was the chief of staff at Emily's List. And I wanted to write a book that was a how-to guide for women who wanted to run for office. Yes. So I had set out to write this book and Kate um, and I were working on it. I had my second child 
and I was postpartum. I had just lost my father and I was grieving and I was working and I was heading back to Grace and Frankie to film. I think it was our fourth season at that point. Fabulous show, by the way, you're fabulous. A wonderful show. Everyone yes. The show. Yes. And I realized that this idea that I had been fed, which is women can do it all. You know, you can have your family life and you can have your career. That dialogue kind of came crashing down on me. And I felt like I was constantly apologizing for having children and having, you know, and sort of pretending they didn't exist when I was working and not wanting to talk about them for fear that people would think I wasn't, I didn't care as much as um, the non-parents around me. Was it almost like if you talked about them, you, did you feel like they were thinking to this, then why aren't you at home with them? Absolutely. Oh, and that's absolutely. And we so, don't and we so don't question sad. men in that way. Yes. Yeah, and my husband is an actor. Oh, the number of times my husband and I would go to um parties in Hollywood and red carpets, and we would get the question of uh I would get the question of where are the kids tonight? <laughs> nobody would ever ask him that. Nobody exactly. dare ask him that. And I would always say, I have no idea. <laughs> I have, I don't have the first clue. I <laughs> ask thank him. you for bringing it up. <laughs> they are alone. I mean, of course I know where my children are, yes. but it was always so shocking that no one would question a man and where uh, their kids were and if they were, you know, being taken care of. So, but conversely, I was also in a time where when I was with my very small children, I felt very badly leaving them mm-hmm. and having to go to work. So on both ends of the spectrum, I felt like I am failing <laughs> and I am having to apologize for these, uh, for the work and devotion and care that I give to my children, which I love. And it's an honor to do, but it is labor as well. I had also been in the midst of taking care of an older parent. So that's caretaking on both ends of life, which so many women, predominantly women are doing, as well as pursuing professional paid uh, work outside the home. And I really wanted to create a space where we didn't have to make those choices anymore, where both uh, things were equally valued. Where being at home and raising your children—that's beautiful work. And I think in this country we say we value it, but the truth is we really don't. Um, and that is labor, and that is caretaking, and it's it's really undervalued. So I became obsessed with how I could create a space where women, especially the women who take care of everything else could come and get taken care of. So we opened up a space in Los Angeles, which initially was a gorgeous workspace where we offered full-time childcare. So nine to five women could come on the first floor. They would drop off their babies as early as three months. (gasps) Wonderful. uh, We had this wonderful, magical childcare center. And then they would walk up the stairs (gasps) and they would enter (laughs) They would enter into an oasis where they could work. They could take a a fitness class. They could meditate. We offer offered meditation every day. They could join all of our community programming. They could read a book. They could do nothing, you know, but the idea was that they could take care of themselves and put the oxygen mask on first. Now, that space, we outgrew our small space immediately and had to move into a bigger space. And then COVID hit in March. And over a weekend, this kind of magical feminist matriarchal oasis of my dreams, like it all came crashing down. Mm -hmm. Um, And in a weekend, truly one weekend, and this was at a time where I remember one of the women we work with said, maybe we should set up a Zoom account. And I was like, what's Zoom? Uh-huh, I mean, uh-huh. that's how early it was in the in the pandemic. And so she, we spent a weekend with the team figuring out what to do. And then that Monday, we opened up and launched our digital platform. So we moved all of our community programming online and have in, you know, tandem children's programming throughout the day. We do children's talent shows, which my husband hosts, 
which are like the best part of the week. Uh-huh. Um, we do uh, book clubs and cocktail hours. We even do cocktail hours for our pets. And those are called yappy hours. Oh my gosh, um, that's we, adorable. We <gasps> do tons of educational and enriching programming and diversity and equity labs where folks are able to really examine racism, where it shows up in their lives and within themselves. And, um, Gosh, we do work sprints where our Janes sign on in the morning and they get to do these productivity sprints in community with other women. And they all, you know, work on one project, whatever they're doing, they get to name it. Everybody else sort of like holds them accountable. They work for 40 minutes. They all take a break. They come back, they work for four. So we do all these different types of programming and community connection. And, and we have grown exponentially. The last number uh, the team was talking about is we've grown since March by 450%. Wow. Um, which is mind blowing. That but, is amazing. And yeah. I mean, such a positive example of what women and what we all deserve and need And let me just, if I can, just take this moment to point out what I'm taking from what you've just been saying is uh, this is a perfect example of the power of a woman, a power Mm -hmm. of a collection of women, because what you've just said is you, you saw a need and you created it. You came together with other women. You created this space for what women needed. And the minute the pandemic hit, within the day, almost, within the day, within, let's just say, a day, the weekend, you women came together and said, okay, we have to close the doors because of this pandemic and social distancing and everything else that involves. And we have to come up with a, a way to continue this need that women have and what we have to offer. And within a matter of days, you did, you created it virtually. And so now you went from brick and mortar to Mm -hmm. virtual and still have it to offer. That is amazing, but a perfect example of the power of a woman. Congratulations. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you so much. I'm going to try to receive that, but thank you. You know, it is really true though. I've always found that in my life where I've always been in communities of women. My, my girlfriends are so incredibly important to me and I've always had that. Um, and I'm sure you find this too. If you need something done and if I put out like, you know, the bat signal to my group yes. of girlfriends and say, Hey, I mean, we've done it when some, you know, one of us has been diagnosed with cancer oh. or this one's child is going on with something. And you, what you see when someone throws out that signal yes. of, I need help. What women do, <laughs> it's really magical. Um, yeah. It really is from resources to support, to, um, just showing up and sending food to, I'm going to connect you to this person. You're going to get in this trial. You're going to get on the phone. It brings me to tears. And what I'm really proud of with the Jane club is the community we've created. And it is really curated. You know, one of the things we talk about now that we are a digital platform is what Facebook has done well, and also the failures. And I think that we've been able to learn a lot because our platform is membership based. We, you know, our Janes pay the base price. Well, we have a silver Jane membership, which is $40 a month. And then our other Janes pay $50 a month, but we don't sell anyone's data, (laughs) you know, and that's what I think sometimes people don't understand when they're getting a free social platform is that that is actually the exchange you're making. And we really moderate our spaces. We call people into conversation. We don't engage in like cancel culture, but we do invite people into learning and we prioritize creating a safe, inclusive space for everyone. Um, but one of the things we've also done since the pandemic and we're able to do now that we don't have a giant rent over our heads every month in Los Angeles, which was no, you know, small feat to pay, we're able to offer what we do so well to 
really everyone. So we don't turn away anyone for price who can't afford our membership level. Um, we work with anyone who wants to be with us on a sliding scale. And that's been really powerful. We don't ask why you need a sliding scale. We don't make people, you know, fill out a scholarship form. We work with uh, the assumption of positive intentions. And we've had many Jane sign on to sliding scales who then four months later have said, oh, I actually just got a job. I can come up to regular price. And we say, thank you so much. We don't ask again, though. You know, once they sign on to sliding scale, we don't keep on checking in to ask to pay for more. So we've had these, the digital space has also, I think, really allowed us to live into our values a lot more. The other real lesson I found, because Robin, like when we had our physical location, it was so, I mean, in the digital spaces, really, it looks very chic. We pride ourselves in design and all of that stuff because I'm, a, you know, obsessive about all of that. But our, our physical location was so like kind of luxe and beautiful. And there were a lot of times the team, the executive team would be really struggling. We are still essentially a startup. We got investment to start our physical space from about 10 or 11 women in our community who we raised money from. So we were kind of homegrown. And I would always try to hide how hard it was to do the business <laughs> and how stressed the team was and how overworked and understaffed we were. And once we moved to the digital space and we were kind of like, oh, what's this now? Okay, we have to figure this out. This wonderful woman on our team who developed our website, Amy Merrill, said to me one day, you should just tell the community and the Janes what's going on with the business. Because really the bottom line of the Jane Club is we're all coming together to help yes. each other and to give each other what we need. Totally. So let's tell them what we're what we suffering need. from and what we need because that's when you're going to get what the whole purpose of the club is about. Yes. yes. And that wasn't intuitive for me because I'm much more comfortable doing my work and then presenting it. And you know what? <laughs> that, and that's okay. Did you learn that that's okay? That there, there's nothing yes. wrong with you for being that way or for feeling that yes. way. Yes. I love it. Yes. But also I was so grateful for her feedback because we did end up doing that and said like, hey, we need to grow and quickly. Otherwise we won't survive. And here's what it's looking like. Here's, here's where we're doing great. And here's where it's really challenging. And we are not like a giant, we're not Walmart over here sitting like, you know, somewhere we are women, all of us on our team. Many of us have children. We're also doing remote learning with our kids. Like we are trying to make this happen. Um, a lot of us don't take salaries and we just opened it all up. And the response from the community and really our customers it was overwhelming and they are the ones who made this happen over the summer and they're the ones who brought their friends in and, you know, posted about us and, and it's just been a really, it's, it's been a really beautiful testimony and just the power of community and the power of what women are capable uh -huh. of as a group. Mm -hmm. Did you ever think about the fact that once you did that, once you became so authentic about the Jane Club's experience and what you were feeling and experiencing and shared that, not only did you share that experience as a club and that endeavor, you allowed the members and, and everyone as a part of it to also relate that experience to them personally. This is how they're feeling and what they're experiencing with the chain club, but I can relate to that personally because it's what I'm feeling in my own life. Gosh, well, I think you just really put words to it. I never really thought about it that way, but yes, I think when you see someone practice like radical transparency and openness and vulnerability, they end up creating more space for you. Yes, yes. So right? think of the and favor. Think of the gift you gave. That's nice. Everyone. To, yes. 
everyone. I mean, it still makes me uncomfortable. I still want to throw up thinking about it (laughs) because we still do it. Like we're actually preparing to do it again, like another presentation, but, and the reason why I, I have a difficult time with it is because to me, what I want Jane's to feel is that we're taking care of them. So what is not intuitive is this idea of like asking them to take care of the space. And yet what I know to be true is that when we do that and show our warts and all and say, we're learning, we make mistakes. That's right. We're trying, we're human and we're, we're proud of what we're doing. Right. And we're, we have opportunities to grow. Um, I know that to your point, it absolutely creates space for other women who are also Yes. Uh, holding about 8 million yes. balls up in the yes. air who feel that they're okay too. <laughs> yes. It's like, oh, it's not just me. Yes. It's not just me. I'm not alone. And that is, yes. I, I feel like the whole purpose of the Jane Club and it everyone is. who You're is right. a part of it. It's like, it's not just me, you know, and Another reason I was so excited about us to come together today to meet and to talk about this and and everything that is a part of empowering women is is a belief that I've always had and tried to share on the platform that is the Dr. Phil show. And anytime I'm a part of any experience on that platform is and through my foundation, When Georgia Smiled, is is something that I've just always believed my entire life and. That is, um, it's not selfish to put yourself first, to take care of yourself. And I learned that really because my mother passed away very suddenly at the young age uh, of 58. She mm-hmm. was, to me, just the most amazing woman, just the, a strong, powerful, dedicated, passionate woman who sadly put my father and us five children, her five children, she always put everyone first before herself. And and because of that, she never went to the doctor. She never put herself first enough to really take care of herself. And she, I was on the phone with her. And I've told this story, of course, many times, but I was on the phone with her. And she said simply, I feel funny. And when I said, what do you mean by funny? She was already gone. She had died right then of undiagnosed heart disease. And I knew right then that that was, I wanted to be just like my mother. I'll just say that first. I just, I've always wanted to be the woman, the wife, the mother, the grandmother that my mother was. And when that happened, and I thought we'd just been disconnected, of course, and then went on to raced over there with Philip and to her home. And of course I had lost her. And, and that was the one legacy of my mother's that I thought I will not perpetuate this legacy. I will put myself first. I will take care of myself because I am a firm believer that if I don't take care of myself so that I am the best I can be, if I'm not the healthiest, the strongest, and the most focused woman I can be, how can I take care of those I love so much, those that I've been put on this earth to be with, to take care of? Because, you know, another thing I really, truly believe, if you put everyone else first in your life and not yourself, you're teaching them you come second. Why do that? Gosh, that's so true. I love that, Robin. And I really thank you for sharing your mother's story with me. And I will take it with me because it, that's incredibly powerful. It and empowered just, me that day I lost her. And I and I have never looked back. It is not selfish yeah. to put yourself first so no, that you it can is take not. care of those you love. And I will also add that I think so many women if we pull out and really look at, you know, one of, one of my big frustrations when I pick up a magazine or is, is that we constantly ask one woman how, what her specific tricks are to balance it all. And we are like desperate for what's the key? What's the key? And how does she do it? What's the secret? That's why I started this podcast. What's the secret? Yeah. What's the secret? The truth is This system is set up so that we feel like we failed. This system, these institutions, the workforce is not made for us. And so when we are feeling guilty, when we are feeling like we can't get it all done, it is not because we have failed. It is because the system is failing us. And I really believe that the more women can also think about 
motherhood. Yes, for me, it is a sacred, beautiful experience. I also believe it's a powerful, a political weapon. I believe that mothers are a force to be reckoned with and that we deserve more and caretakers in general. I'm not just talking about taking care of small children. I'm also talking about taking care of the elderly and even women taking care of their friends, that we need to have a brand new conversation about caretaking. And that extends to ourselves as well. I, I similarly lost my mother suddenly too soon. Um, and so I really relate to your story and I share in that grief of losing a, a beloved parent suddenly and the trauma of that. And one of the things that, you know, we do at Jane and we have a whole uh, channel that's just devoted to grief is sharing the stories of our grief and bringing the legacy of our parents, ancestors, whoever it is that we've lost into this moment um, to learn from. So, you know, because I also, I've always thought this, having, having lost both my parents now, like the way we treat grief in general is like, oh, you're supposed to process it and then get back to it, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> grief oh. is something I think we deal with for the rest of our lives. And, and the word rest grief doesn't lives. mean it has to be a, a sad thing. I mean, That's grief so is sad, especially the loss of someone special. But the grief process, I believe, truly lasts our entire lives. It's just a different process Yes, throughout it is your a, life. Yes. And I will grieve I, the loss of my parents forever. I, I lost my course. very special sister two years ago. And oh, I'm so grieving sorry, her Robin. has been very different from grieving my parents. So yes, the grief process is something you deal with and, yes. and, and experience and, and the rest of your life. And there's beauty in it too. You know, yes. I really firmly believe that I'm, I have a greater capacity for joy because I've suffered loss. And I, I actually think I can experience it more because I know the other side. And also I think sometimes people forget that grieving doesn't always show up as one thing, you know, you have the funeral and sort of the theater around grief and the sitting shivas and the, um, you know, wakes, but a lot of times, and I try to remember this cause it's, it's so different for every person, but I, I guess in my own experience, it shows up when you least expect it. And often it shows up in happy times. That's exactly <laughs> right. That's exactly right. The grieving process for someone you've lost I'll use that as an example, the grieving process for, uh, for my, that I experienced for my sister, the loss of my sister sh is still showing up. You're right. In completely different ways. And you're right. It can be in happy times. A, a song will come on mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I go to the experience of losing her and it'll make me smile when I hear that song because it sends me back to a time when I had her and we were laughing and happy. And for a second, then I'm still grieving because I, I miss her so much. But mm -hmm. it ends with a smile because I'm thinking of a happy time I had with her. I call that still yeah. the grieving process. Oh, for me, it, uh, that sounds beautiful. For me, it shows up as anger quite a bit, specifically directed right at my husband. <laughs> so I think I really believe it, it shows up in all in all different spaces. And a lot of times it's not through tears. Sometimes of course it is, but, um, you know, it, it's really, it's something you really live beside, right? It's not a finite process. Yes. And I just, again, this is just maybe a, a, another way we can make, give an example to all of the listeners that, uh, it's okay to lighten up on yourself and oh, give God, yourself yes. a break. Just say, you know, everyone's different, just like in the grieving process. It's different for yes. everyone. Give yourself a break. If one day you want to smile over that loss of that mm -hmm. loved one, or one day you want to shed a few tears over the loss of that loved one, because everyone is different. And don't be so hard on yourself. If today you want to hear that song and shed a few tears, or today mm -hmm. you want to hear that same song and smile. Just, you know, God, there's so no true. set rules for Mm -hmm. I think almost every event in your life and don't compare <laughs> yourself to someone else. I think it's just 
I think maybe the bottom line is in the Jane Club, I'm sure you teach this and, and you share this is I think all women need to lighten up on themselves, give themselves a oh, break. Oh, yes. We have a principle. So we have a couple of guiding principles and one is come as you are. And what we mean by that is, you know, when we, we have curated events and we encourage women to come and not put their camera on if they don't want to, not participate if they don't want to, wear sweatpants, wear their pajamas, wear an evening gown. I love uh, it. You know, come as you are. Oh, I love it. Um, because we are fed so much discipline, right? Women are encouraged to be so disciplined about our bodies and our looks and the idea of showing up in community as you are, and that being actually more than enough. And the other thing we, you actually get in trouble at the Jane club. If you apologize for any caretaking. So, love it. you know, if someone, if a baby's screaming in the background or you have to leave to go, pick up your kid or help with homework or whatever it is. And you say, you're sorry, you get into trouble. Oh, I love it. <laughs> it's almost like a swear a... jar. Like, Absolutely. I'm sorry. Same exact thing. Yes. <laughs> because we want to have a new conversation around that. Oh, I love it. Well, let me ask you this. Why do you think so many women think that other women are their competition? Well, I think that is a very effective tool of the patriarchy to keep us apart. Um, I think that um, when systems are built, it's not like one person, like one man is doing that. I think it's a cultural norm that's been in place where because we haven't had access to money, because we haven't had access to, um, you know, careers and circles of power and wealth, we can get into this very poverty stricken mentality, which is, well, they're only going to choose one. And, you know, so she, it's either going to be me or her. Um, so I, I don't, here's what I don't do. I don't blame women for that. I believe that that is something that, that has kind of operated without our consent. And, and I think it's operated without most men's consent as well. I think they also suffer very deeply under the patriarchy in different ways, but in, in very damaging ways. So, but I, but I think it's, it's been a tool because, um, we have had limited access to our own independence. And sometimes, sometimes that uh, security, you know, has shown up as a man or a partner. Like that has been a sense of security for women throughout the years that they might provide her financial security and agency over her life. And then I think in the workforce, we also know women get paid less. You know, one of the things we talk a lot about at the, at the Jane Club is also that men, when they have children, actually start making more because companies assume and corporations assume that they're going to be working harder. Uh -huh. They got kids to feed. Uh -huh. The opposite happens to women. We start to make less when we have children. We pay what they call a motherhood tax because the opposite assumption is made that we will be you know, working less, we'll be taking time off to take the kids to the dentist and this and that. Um, so one of the things we talk a lot about at the Jane Club is those critical years, right? Where women are having children later and later. I don't think that's a trend that's going to change. And it's now those years are intersecting, you know, the years where we should be making the most money we will ever make in our professional careers are now directly intersecting with the years we're having our first kids. It, that has been my experience. And what you see is those years are now critical. They're traumatic. They are. And, and you see women either dropping out because the system, again, does not work. Um, or they head back in and uh, they are traumatized by being pulled away from small children. So uh -huh. Well, I feel like probably... It takes those women coming together mm -hmm. and deciding we don't have this competition with each other. We have to empower mm -hmm. each other to believe we have to just get that message out there by our behavior, by with our thinking. Right. No, we do not want to have or feed this 
thought that there is a competition between women. We come together and support each other, not compete against each other. And if anyone's going to do it, it's going to be us women. We have well, to be our number are... one champions for each other. Absolutely. And I think actually by nature, I hate making too many statements about people, you know, having natural inclinations, but I, I feel comfortable saying that by nature, most women are very communal. You know, we like being together. We like being around each other, you know, and I feel very lucky that I grew up with a mom. I mean, my sisters and I always joke about it because at my mom's funeral, we had about, I don't know, 20 different women telling us that my mom was their best friend. <laughs> and we would laugh so hard because it was like she had so, I grew up with my mom always having women around and deep, intimate friendships with women. You know, I remember looking outside and my mom would come home from a dinner dinners with girlfriends or, or being out with girlfriends and they would just sit in the car outside our house and talk for hours. And I would stare out and be like, when is she going to come in? But oh. I knew what was going on in that car was that they couldn't stop talking. You know, they want, and I have that too with my girlfriends, which is a, such a deep level of intimacy and, um, connection and the feeling of we're safer in the world yes, together. We're safe. We're safe with each other. There's no reason yeah. to compete. You know, I, I grew up with three older sisters and I have a twin brother and my father adored my mother. He really adored her. And, mm. and so I just remember my entire life, my father telling my brother, respect these women honor these women. There were, of course, been five women in the house. And he was just always telling my brother, you know, never walk around without a shirt on. Don't come to the dinner table with a ball cap on. You know, just those simple things. Yeah. Help your mother in with the groceries. Open the door for your sisters. Just, it was just always in my, in my home, just, just a given that men respect women. And, mm -hmm. but with this conversation we're having right now and the competition and such, it was just an underlying belief I got it from my mother, maybe all my sisters or whatever, but I just grew up just with this attitude that if you have to choose between me and someone else, don't choose me. Oh God, yes, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, but really that was always yeah. it because I don't believe in that kind of competition and especially when it comes to women. So I think that anything, the message I, we all need to live and breathe as far as a woman is yes. support each other. Yes. And lift as we rise, you know, that idea of like, okay, I've gotten here in my career, you know, I, I, yes, I, I there's still so many things I want to do, but that real, you know, core belief of like, look at who's behind you and you can't just keep on walking forward. Like you got to start bringing, everybody's got to come along. So, um, there's that gif on the internet I saw, which is this woman, like she climbs up and then she lifts, um, another woman up and then someone lifts her up and then someone lifts the other. And it's beautiful. And it's all these different, you know, such a diverse group of women. It always makes me cry when I see it. It's this little animation, Oh, I love but, it. um, I really believe that we as a culture need to get into the modern day and have some very real conversations. I mean, there's been so many articles about how this pandemic is affecting women in the workplace, specifically women of color and, and mothers yes. who are doing the bulk so of, much. you know, childcare at home. Oh, I have so much more respect. I absolutely love and adore my daughter-in-law and didn't think I could even go to another level of the respect and love yeah. I have for her. But I have witnessed Erica taking on through this pandemic, this homeschooling with our granddaughter and our grandson, Avery is, is 10, almost 11, and London is nine. So 10 mm. and a half, because they're 17 months apart. And boy, this this Zoom oh, Irish schooling, twins. homeschooling. I know oh, all about that. Wow. She has just been a, such a champion of not only the quarantining and, and, you know, cooking and doing everything and keeping everything healthy and clean and all of what's needed to be done with the quarantine, but then with the schooling and everything. And, and yeah, I see all lot. the smiles on their faces and everything. And I just think all women are champions. So I will just add one more thing, Robin, yes. which is, you know, something we've been talking a lot about at the Jane club and a really wonderful 
partner of ours has been NDWA, the National Domestic Workers Alliance, because for many women, they're also employed. You know, we care, we talk a lot about honoring all work, but that extends to also the domestic labor in our homes if we have it and domestic laborers who are doing, I mean, the reason why I'm on this podcast with you right now, Robin, is because my nanny Juliana is taking care of our kids and that work needs also to be recognized, respected, valued, and um, paid for. So uh, that's that's another thing that that we've been talking a lot about. Yeah. Oh, I love that. The first page of a book never tells the full story. And those news alerts and headlines, like the ones we get on our phones, don't even scratch the surface of what the story is really all about. Stories are like people, multi-layered and complex. It takes some digging to find the truth, but when we find it, it can change our world. We like to dig. The news on Merritt Street, essential television. Right now, I would love to stop in just for a second because we do two things on every podcast. The first one is drink of the day. And my staff comes together and they create a drink of the day that's really focused on the topic of our podcast. And we name it, and we've called this one the Raspberry Passion Fruit Refresher. (laughs) Now, we named it that because the Jane Club is very passionate and women go there to refresh themselves. So this is called the Raspberry Passion Fruit Refresher. And so that the listeners know, I'm holding this drink up for you as if we were together, I would be handing one to you. Cheers. And so cheers. Yes. <laughs> and one for you. But now looks the, so good. Doesn't this look delicious? I want all the listeners to know, of course, that they can go to I've got a secret with robinmcgraw.com and they can see this beautiful drink and they can also see the recipe and prepare it for themselves. It calls for four raspberries, one half teaspoon of honey, one half ounce of lime juice one ounce of grapefruit juice, and one tablespoon of passion fruit, one and a half ounce of tequila, yay, and one fresh lime wheel for garnish. So you add the raspberries, honey, lime, and grapefruit juices, and the tequila into a shaker with ice. Shake for about 10 seconds. Pour the entire contents of the shaker into a glass. Add the passion fruit and stir garnish with a fresh lime wheel and enjoy. So again, cheers. I will tell you, grapefruit juice is one of my favorite things to add to any kind of a drink. And the tequila doesn't hurt. Okay, so I don't want to keep you forever, but how can someone give back to younger generations to encourage unity and empowerment among women? Well, I mean, I think there's a lot of ways, really. I have been very lucky to have had so many important role models in my life. I think the the main one really was my mother. My mom was my role model and was a New York City public school teacher raising three girls. And I think what I learned from her was to not be shy about loving people and to not be embarrassed to love your children boldly And she loved very, very honestly and openly. And that's, that's the main thing that I've taken away from her. And and in my own grief, what I realize is that I have no questions for her. So that's, that's the legacy I want to pass on from to my children, which is, I have no question about our relationship. I have no question about how she felt about me. I know she knew how I felt about her. That is a gift. And that's one that I'll be uh, taking with me with my own kids. But, you know, I think that, you know, radically, and I use that word intentionally, radically loving and supporting women. And, and that comes that that's about younger women. That's about older women and everyone in between and saying, if we're in conversation, Oh, I'm not comfortable with how you're speaking about her, you know, interrupting dialogue that, that is misogynistic, you know, interrupting each other. When we hear people talk about elected leaders who are women and the conversation is about how they look and not about the content of what they say and, and inviting people into, I'm not talking about calling out every person you hear, but calling them in to a conversation. Um, I, I really believe that when we do that, 
uh, we open up space for generations of women behind us. And I will say this about younger women. I'm learning from them. You know, there is there are movements now about body positivity and how they are younger women are demanding to be seen in um, in ways that, to be honest, Robin, I wouldn't dare because I've internalized so much negative messaging that I don't know that I have time left in life to unlearn it all. But I see these younger women on social media who are creating more space for me. So I'm not even sure that the exchange is for me to them. I'm learn. I'm truly learning from how, um, how they view themselves and how they demand to be seen for more than a thin youthful body. They believe, you know, that their currency and value in the world is completely separate from how they look. And I am learning from them. Oh, I love that. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that so refreshing and so powerful? What you just said, I think, and they deserve it. They deserve for you to say that. And I just think that is just beautiful. I think that is so powerful. They're inspiring. Yes. Truly. Yes. Because, I I mean, my girlfriend Casey and I would laugh. We'd say body positivity. Those are, that's an oxymoron. Those words don't go together. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. But, you know, you know, we're learning. On that note, I think it's important to touch on your book from 2019, which focuses on women making change. Please tell the listeners all about Represent, the Women's Guide to Running for Office and Changing the World. I would love to. You know, one of the things that I was inspired by after the 2016 election and Um, Hillary's loss because I was very supportive of her candidacy. And one of the things I was um, upset about was that we had such a viable female candidate that didn't win. And I started thinking, wow, how do you run for office? I believe I'm a pretty smart person. I care deeply about a number of issues. Where would I start? And what I realized was that the process of civic engagement, we, in most public schools, we don't teach civics anymore. And I think that's by design, the process of civic engagement and running for office for most of us is pretty mysterious. And we often think of politicians as older white men who have law degrees and a lot of money. And we rarely think of ourselves And I hope when your listeners hear this, that they might think, oh, I wonder if I could do that. What the book does is really break down in a very granular way what that process might look like in anyone's life. So there are, you know, we we think of politics and we so often think about the federal government. But the truth of it is that there's over 500,000 offices to run for and women are still underrepresented, you know, up and down the ballot. So we have specific needs too. We've talked a lot about child care and elder care and that women, you know, usually do not have the same access to either their own personal wealth or circles of wealth to raise money. And money is still the biggest hurdle to jump over in terms of running for office. So I don't want to discount that and say, oh, it's easy, just read the book. However, it is still possible if you don't have personal money or know people with money, it is absolutely possible to do it. And not only that, I hope everybody who listens considers it as something they might do in their lives. You know, we, we, women do so much, you know, I'm chairing this thing for the preschool and I've got this going on. I got my business, I've got this. And, and yet when we think of running for office, a lot of times it seems like that's kind of, I don't know, garish or that's better left for someone else to do. But I would encourage, you know, and we take women through a whole checklist, a real process and guidebook I would encourage women who are listening to think like, what is keeping them up at night? Now it could be as simple as like, why are there three accidents on the street and why won't my town put up a 
freaking stop sign. You know, a lot of times we think these issues need to be giant, but they could be really um, local. You know, we, we talk about hundreds of examples of women and, and Robin, this is, this, this is a fact that will stick with you. Most women, well, I'll start with men. Most men run for office to further their careers in some Uh way. Uh Most women run for office to solve a problem that (gasps) has affected their lives. I love it. I love that. And I believe that. And you know what? Let me just say this. Let me tell the listeners. This is the most amazing book. I love everything this book stands for. And I'm looking through it right now. And every chapter is so relevant. Why is it important that more women run for office? Am I qualified to run for office? When do I tell people I'm running for office? Spoiler alert, the answer is today. And do I need to raise a shit ton of money? I love that chapter right there. (laughs) Very big question. This book is so relevant, so full of important information. And what I think about it, what I took from it, is it doesn't just apply to women that are actually thinking of running for an office in their town or state or whatever. This is this can be applied to women who hold an office right now and they don't realize it because when you're a wife, you're run you you that's an office you're holding. When you're a mother, oh God, you're holding true. an office. That's an office you hold. Mm-hmm. When you're just a human being living in this life, that is an office that you hold, that you run every day. Just think about it. Everything that you have chosen to do in your life, every category of a function in your life is, is like holding an office. And this book helps you do that office you've elected to do so much better. I mean, it gives you such insight. So I think this book is phenomenal. You've written an amazing book right here. Thank you, Robin. I'm really proud of it. And, um, you know, I would also encourage women to never say never. You know, when I was doing press for the book, they would always say, so what are you running, June? And I would say, well, not at this moment, but at some point. Oh my gosh. Because I think it's something every citizen should consider. It's not something that is like outside of us. You are so incredible. Did women write into you saying this book inspired them to pursue politics? Really? Yes. We've had several women use the book and work the book. It really is designed as a workbook in order to run for office. It's been incredible to see because sometimes the granular details of our lives, you know, we ask women to break because a lot of women feel like, oh, I do care about these things, but now's not a good time. My dad's sick and, you know, we are struggling financially and all of all of these things. Right. But the truth is that men are not waiting, you know, and that if we want a really representative government and representation that legislates for women and our children, um, then we need to have seats at the table. We just do. And um, so I really, that's another thing we're talking about younger women and I am learning from them, but I always, Um, I always try to tell women they should run. One of the fascinating things that we talk about in the book is this idea of, am I qualified? And that's a very specific, there's a real gender gap there in terms of um, insecurity. And, you know, I'm going to forget the statistics, but it was pretty shocking to see that they pulled a group of women and a group of men and they asked the women if they felt they were qualified. Most of them said no. They asked the men if they felt they were qualified to run for office, um, a fair number of the men said, no, I don't think I'm qualified, but I would still do it. They probably ended also saying, and I think I would win. (laughs) Right. And it was sort of mind blowing. I was like, wow. You know, so what I do hope the book, um, I hope the book is used as inspiration, but I would also say to any woman out there who's thinking, oh, I was actually thinking about running for office, but maybe I should read this book first. Yes. Don't buy the book. Just do it yeah. because oh, don't have the book or anything be another crutch along the way. You are ready. Um, just go. I love it. So tell me, what are your hopes for the Jane Club in 2021 and beyond? You know, I hope that as we grow, um, that we 
can still maintain our ideals and our mission and that we can um, constantly stay aligned with our core values. That's really what I hope. I hope that it's a space where every woman, I should also say we invite all genders into our space. We have a number of male identifying genes. It really is for everyone. Um, and I hope our space remains brave and centers learning and growth. Um, and yeah, I just wanted, I want it to grow because I know how important it is. And speaking of for your listeners, Robin, I want to make sure that everybody gets a special, I have a special code, which is if, if listeners want to join us at Jane and become a Jane, they can head to janeclub.com and use secret 50, which will get you half off your first month's membership. Um, and of course I mentioned before, but we are also always happy to offer sliding scales to Janes who request it. Oh, I'm so happy you said that. Thank you so much for doing that for all our listeners. Oh, so I'm so excited. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So now I told you earlier that we do two things in every podcast, drink of the day, and we have a game of the day. How do you feel about playing games? I'm terrible, but I will absolutely do it. <laughs> I don't think you are terrible, but I have to ask you to do one thing before we start this game. So the listeners will, uh, we don't have to, but I think it'll be fun for you to do this. Can you tell the listeners about your podcast you do with your husband? Okay, great. So I host a podcast with my husband, Paul Shear and our dear friend, Jason Mansukas, which is called, how did this get made? And you can find it on Earwolf. Um, or app or just on iTunes, right. but it's, um, it's a podcast where we watch categorically pretty terrible movies. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and then talk about it. It's it. as simple as that. And we have so many laughs and there have been times where I've literally had to put a towel underneath my <laughs> butt because I've been <laughs> laughing so hard that I've almost peed my pants. That's hilarious. And it's just great fun. And our, you know, the podcast has been around for a while. Robin, I always say when we started our podcast, we would have to tell people what a podcast was. Oh, that's so They would funny. say, what, where do I, what, what station is it on, on the radio? And oh, I would so be funny. like, no, it's a podcast. But so it's been around for a while and um, it's really a lot of fun. It is so funny. I have to tell the listeners as well. I've listened to it so many times. And, <laughs> and yes, I could, I almost peed my pants a couple of times myself because <laughs> I laugh so hard. It is hilarious. So that's why Thank we you. came up with this game of the day. It's okay. called Strength in Numbers. You're going to guess these hit movies based oh, on God. a clue list I'm going to read to you of their all or mostly all female cast. Okay. So it's kind of a, a mix between the Jane Club and the podcast. Okay, I love it. Okay, so first one is Sandra Bullock, Kate Blanchett, Anne Hathaway, and Rihanna. We're all in the same movie? Yes. Now, first, I want to do say this. This is probably, none of these have been discussed on your podcast. <laughs> I was going to say, I would remember this. Anne Hathaway, Rihanna. Oh, my God, Robin, yes. what is this movie? You and this is you? a hit movie. It's th These are hit movies, yes. Are you ready for me to tell you? I, yeah, you have to. I don't know. Ocean's 8. Oh, uh, of course. Of course, of course, yes. of course. You know, I did not realize Rihanna was in that. Okay. <laughs> and I never saw it. I never okay. saw it. Okay. So here's the next one. Mila Kunis, Katherine Hahn, Kristen Bell, Christina Applegate. Bad Moms. Yes. Yes. Got that one. <laughs> I love that movie. It was so funny. I love that movie. Okay. The next one. Melissa McCarthy, Kristen Wiig, Maya Rudolph. Bridesmaids. Yes. Rose Byrne was in it. I was going to name her too. Yes. Bridesmaids. Was that not just hilarious? It was amazing. Gosh, the scene with her going across the street in a wedding dress with Maya Rudolph, is, it yes. remains one of, and of course, yes. Kristen Wiig on the airplane. Oh, yes. All of it. All of it. And all then, of it. And then of Melissa it. McCarthy with all those puppies in the van. Tip to tail. It's so funny. <laughs> so funny. Okay. So the next one, 
and this is, I'm embarrassed to read it because I just now saw this one was on the list. Girls, girls, I'm looking at my girls on the staff here. <laughs> girls, come on. Okay, Sarah Jessica Parker, Kim Cattrall, Cynthia Nixon, and well, Kristen. Sex in the City, of course. Sex in the City, girls, girls. I'm, I mean, I, I don't know what's going to happen with this, like, reboot without Kim Cattrall. I know. I just don't either. I'm, I mean, come on. That sexy little vixen, she's not going to be a part of it. It's (laughs) just not the same. Come on. God, there was so much bad blood there, and I want to know everything. I want to know it all. I would just like (laughs) pump it into my veins. Like, someone give me information. What happened? Yes. Yes. Gosh, I want to know it all. Man. Me too. Darn. Okay, here's the next one. Lindsay Lohan, Rachel McAdams, Amanda Seyfried. Mean girls. Mean girls. Come on, girls. No. <laughs> and Lacey Chabert. I hope I say that right. I don't want to leave anyone out. I should have listed Lindsay last. Okay. <laughs> okay, here's another one. Jada Pinkett Smith, Queen Latifah, Regina Hall. Girls Trip. That girls was trip. one of my favorite I, movies of the last few years. Yes. Tiffany Haddish, Girls Trip. Okay. There's a good one. Kirsten Dunst and hmm. Gabrielle Union. Bring it on. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. Now, here's I thought one. these were going to be a lot harder based on the I first did too. one. I did too. This is based this on my is... answer of the first one. Did you switch to another list, Robin? No, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't make the list either because I don't want credit for, for mean girls. Come on. And Sex in the City? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> None of my girls have come out of their office here. Okay. Okay. Seriously, girls? Dolly Parton, Lily Tomlin, and Jane Fonda? Well, nine to five. <laughs> this is hilarious. Okay. Jacqueline Smith, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, Lucy Liu, and Kristen Stewart? You know that one, right? Charlie's Angels. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. This is not the last one. Anna Kendrick, Rebel Wilson... Brittany Snow. Pitch perfect. Elizabeth Bakes. Yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. Shersha Ronan. Yeah, Emma Watson. Laura oh, Dern. Oh. Florence oh, Pugh. Little Women. Meryl Streep. What'd you say? Little Women? Yes. No. Yes, yes. that's right. That's right. Oh, okay. Oh, that's right. Yes, that's right. Sally Field. Julia Roberts. Olympia Dukakis. Shirley MacLaine. Daryl Magnolia. Hannah. Yes. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> You're naming some movies I didn't get any parts in, Robin. So this is like been a little painful. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Viola Davis, Octavia Spencer, Emma Stone, Bryce Dallas Howard. Yes, it is the help. Taraja P. Henson, Janelle Monet, Octavia Spencer. Oh, maybe you can't get this movie because it's. Oh no, I do. I know, know the this movie. One. I watched it a dozen times, but, um, but I'm just know. forgetting the name. I it's didn't about know the, the name. Astronauts, and it's called. Um, Hidden figures, hidden yes. figures. Oh my god! So the listeners know I've been doing that. Was my, a game of charades? Yeah. Yes, it was charades as well. Okay, so I'm going to come up with one that's not on here, just so it can be really hard, because this is a movie that my boys, grown men, they're very good. They're they're both hilarious, and they know lines from movies that uh, just kill me, and they'll they they will sound just like the characters. Okay, and this one is John Candy. And uh, David Spade. Oh. Um, God. Oh, and David Spade. I know exactly. I'm I'm like seeing the scene in my head. Um, What's the name of the movie? I can't think of the name of the movie. But they they could just run those lines back and forth with each other, just keep us in stitches. Wait, John Candy or? um, Oh, not John Candy. You're thinking of, um, well, now I'm forgetting his name. <laughs> yeah, you too. know the game better than the movie. It's not John Candy. Who is it? No, but Chris it's Farley. Like his predecessor, Chris Farley. Chris Farley. Thank you, Eric. Chris Farley. Um, and, and that movie, and they is went Rob to, Lowe is in it as well. Yes, Rob Lowe. And, and that Derek, movie is called uh, uh, Bo Derek. Yep. And, oh, he, good. and, and, uh, and it's what's it called? He's wearing a small suit. Yes, I like mean his, I see all the like he's wearing his little brother's suit. Yeah. No. Little no. is it little something? Oh yeah, Tommy boy. 
Tommy Boy. Tommy Boy, of course. Every listener right now needs to pull that up and watch it. It is hilarious. Well, I thought you were gonna I thought you were gonna give me Kate Hudson and Anne Hathaway, and I was gonna be able to name a movie I wrote. Oh, yes, you did. You did write it. Okay. Okay, okay so the Anne Hathaway. So the, Kate Hudson, Anne Hathaway, Candace Bergen, uh, Candace. Chris Pratt, Brian yeah. Greenberg. Who else? I was in the movie. Yes. Um, and that movie was written by me and my writing partner and, and best friend, Casey Wilson. Yeah. Uh, and that movie is called Bride Wars. Well, okay. Sadly, that brings us to the end of the podcast, June. This was so wonderful. Thank you again for chatting with me and the Secret Squad. Can you tell everyone where to find out more about you and the Jane Club online? Of course. Um, I would love everyone to check out the Jane Club at janeclub.com. Again, they can use that special code, secret50, at checkout. And um, yeah, you can find me on Instagram at June Diane or on Twitter at Ms. June Diane. And I just thank you so much, Robin, for having me. This was such a lovely conversation. Oh, so perfect. Thank you so much. I know we're going to have a lot of Secret Squad and Jane Club crossover. And so thank you to everyone for tuning in. Make sure to visit I've Got a Secret with RobinMcGraw.com for recipes, blogs, and behind the scenes extras. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.